Hello and welcome to another episode of the Buckle Bob Show here on BMP Sports. I'm your host, Bobby. I'm so happy to be here to talk professional wrestling with you once again. A couple of days late once again on a Thursday, but that's all right. We're making it work here. I am joined, as always, by my broadcast partner, Anthony Rohn. Tony, how you doing, buddy? Doing a lot better than Bray Wyatt's career. All right. Uh, let's, uh, go ahead and jump right into it. We've got a lot of, uh, just pure wrestling news to talk about this week. Not a whole lot of outside fluff. We're just talking about in-ring and on-TV stuff, uh, except for, unfortunately, our first item that we'll be talking about today. News just broke, uh, this morning as of our recording, Thursday, February 2nd. Uh, apparently this morning, Lanny Poffo passed away, and this news comes to us uh, by uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who has said in a tweet with a very, very heavy heart, I've been asked to let everyone know about the passing of our friend and colleague, Lanny Poffo, the genius, Rip Lanny. Um, Lanny Poffo, uh, son of uh, Angelo Poffo, who was a promoter. He ran a, uh, he ran some territories. He even ran, and he was a, Hall of Fame wrestler as well, and he ran a uh, a renegade territory as well in the uh, Midwest, I believe in uh, Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken, and that was where both Lanny and Randy Poffo uh, both got their start in professional wrestling. From there, they would get... Uh, picked up by and they would go around some of the territories and uh, eventually they came into the WWF together in 1985 um he would uh be known as Leaping Lanny Poffo uh and then eventually he would become the genius as a manager who uh, managed uh, none other than Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig in the WWF um he also got to induct his late brother Randy Savage into the Hall of Fame a, a few years back uh, what do you uh, think when you hear about the passing of Leaping Lanny Poffo? It's something that, unfortunately, we talk about this all too often, uh, but something that happens within professional wrestling constantly of the passing of wrestlers. Uh, granted, Lanny was almost 70 years old? 68. 68. So... That's still, you know, just think of the toll that this sport puts on people's bodies and the rigorous travel schedule um, and guys like not being able to have long term health care from their employer because of being contractors. But that's a different subject for a different time. Uh, Lanny was also uh, an integral part in the all in pay-per-view that sparked AEW um, turning Jay Lethal black, back to Black Machismo for the night uh, in his ROH title match. Um, and from all accounts, Lanny was just a good dude. Uh, 
not surprising coming from the Poffo name. Randy's, you know, legendary for some of his antics, but also for a lot of the great things he did outside of the ring, uh, ignoring the uh, Be a Man rap album. But, uh, yeah, when you think Lanny, you think Poffo, you think, unfortunately, he gets a little bit overshadowed by the man, the myth, and the legend that was Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, And in a way, I feel like it's unfortunate that he did get overshadowed by his brother because we lead in the conversations like this where we know that he was important when it comes to professional wrestling, but you're always going to be inclined to bring up the brother's name. Yeah, obviously. And you see, I've got a pick here of Randy and Lanny together. Uh, you almost wouldn't recognize Randy, obviously. He, he's not in character at all, which he's known for being constantly in character. And he, he just doesn't have the crazy eyes in this picture. He's just, he's just you know, at home with his brother. Uh, and Lanny was... Uh, well liked, but Lanny also took up for his brother. He he had the Hall of Fame speech anytime there was an opportunity to to talk about Randy after Randy died. Uh, no matter what it was, he was everywhere. You'd see him in just just about any sort of documentary that talked about Randy at length. He was willing to do it. He wanted his brother's name out there. He didn't care that uh his his little brother was sort of overshadowed him. In fact, he uh. He, I think he quite liked it and enjoyed it. So uh, we lost we lost a good one today in the wrestling world with, with the passing of Lanny Poffo. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to our next topic. We're going to review the Royal Rumble, which was this past Saturday. Me and Tony had a lot of fun and maybe had a little too much fun with some drinking games that we played uh, at a house party where we watched the Royal Rumble at after I got off work. I got there a little bit late. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and run down and review the Royal Rumble here. And we'll just go match by match uh, right down the card. And that means we're starting right off with the Men's Royal Rumble. Um, Cody Rhodes would win this match, which I think was the outcome we all pretty much expected. Uh, but I would argue that the MVP of the match was Gunther, who came out at number one. And there was a lot of great ma- uh, moments in between. Speaking of Gunther, Gunther and Brock Lesnar coming face-to-face for a moment. And that was a big pop. I want that match so bad. Um, of course, the big spot with Ricochet and Logan Paul, that was just mind-blowing. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Men's Royal Rumble, the spots in it, and the winner? Well, I hate to say this, but... Uh... Something was said to me that kind of pissed me off at the time. It could have been the alcohol talking. But, yeah, no, give Logan Paul the buckshot lariat. <laughs> that is now his move. I think he does it better than um, Hangman, and I I like Hangman doing it, but, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. It gets a little blurry for me towards the end of this. <laughs> um, I missed, I missed so the first game, this- yeah. Let's explain how the drinking game works and the reason why it got blurry. So you literally have to drink your beverage the entire time somebody comes out to the ring. And then you drink for every time your entrant eliminates somebody. And then you finish your drink when your opponent or when your guy gets eliminated. I drew 6, 8, and 12. (laughs) My entrants were Chad Gable, Xavier Woods, 
and Brock freaking Lesnar. And in case you guys didn't know this, who eliminated Xavier Woods and Chad Gable, but none other than Brock Lesnar. And after he did that, he automatically got eliminated himself. So to say that your boy had to down some drinks real quick is an understatement. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, uh, I, I, I want to use the word lackluster um, because every year we get uh, into these conversations of who's going to be a surprise entrant. And to be honest, I think the only surprise entrant there was this year was Booker T. Yeah. I have Logan Paul's comeback, but for the most part, yeah. Um, spot of the night that popped the hell out of me, the New Day squaring off against one another that turned into some booty bongo action. Uh, I thought that was hilarious as hell. Um, Worst spot of the night. Also, the most unfortunate yes. spot of the night goes to Kofi Wood or yeah, Kofi Kingston. Uh, that botched chair save that uh, I believe was caused by Pat McAfee. <laughs> um, yeah. That, Cody winning though is no surprise. To nobody that's, Code Lander in the flesh. Um, just Cody doing Cody things. Uh, the too sweet in the tribute to Kenny Omega before pointing at the uh, WrestleMania sign was something. Um, but all in all, it was surprisingly a great match. Great long-term storytelling uh, that could potentially be set up here. Um, I knew Rhea was going to win the second I saw Dominic come out with the Rey Mysterio mask. So, looks like some of our predictions are coming true here. Mm-hmm. But WWE put themselves in a very unfortunate position with Cody winning that I will get into when we talk about the main event. Well, we'll see about that. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it when we talk about the main event and what happens there and what we see for the future. But for this match, just focusing in on this match, I... I thought it was a great Royal Rumble. I don't need the surprises. In fact, sometimes if you have a lot of those, if you have a lot of the legends and whatever coming back for a quick spot in the Rumble, that actually can sometimes mean you don't have a lot of good stuff going on that people are interested in. You got to reach for the outside stuff to get a quick pop. I don't think this match needed it. There was there was good stuff in there. There was a moment just before Brock Lesnar out, where it started to kind of drag a little bit. But I think the reason for that was you had a lot of lower mid-card or lower mid-card guys kind of going at it once. Because once Brock got did get in there, you needed him, you needed to feed him people. Uh, but it was very quick because then Bobby Lashley came out next. You can't have Brock Lesnar in there long because he can't be one of those guys, you know, panting under the turnbuckle for five minutes. He needs to be doing stuff, or it'll just kill his character. It'll kill him off. So you get Bobby Lashley in there right away to knock him out and have a big moment. That was great. I thought that was very well done. Obviously, uh, we talked about the Ricochet Logan Paul spot. Logan Paul playing up being a heel. He's so good, babyface or heel, but especially as a heel. He's he he needs to be heel going forward. Oh boy. Mark this date down, February 2nd, 2023. 
Bobby comes out of the closet as the biggest Logan Paul fan. Uh, I wouldn't say that about him as a person, but as a wrestler, yes. Uh, and then I loved Gunther going all the way through. I loved that once it got down to Cody and Gunther, it became just a match. Now, they didn't have like a 20-minute match, but it was it was a good like 8, 10 minutes long where they were just going back and forth. Uh, it was a great match, the two of them, in the first time in the ring that we've seen together. Uh, I don't know if Walter ever came across Cody on the indies when Cody was gone. I don't think so. Mm. But uh, it, w- it was a great uh, you know, end to the Rumble with Cody finally going over. Uh, yeah, I-, I thought it was one of the best Rumbles. Now, one thing we didn't talk about... Actually... Go ahead. No, I think I, they may have had a match for what culture pro wrestling? Cross the pond. Yeah, over in the UK, I, I vaguely remember that for some reason. I'll look at that up, and we'll see if I'll see if I can find something about it. But um, uh, one thing we forgot to talk about—you mentioned him uh, and the chair uh, before the rumble. The first thing that happened was Pat McAfee's music played, and you got a kind of a... It looked like Michael Cole wasn't selling it. He just didn't recognize the music at first, but he had no idea that that was happening. He called it a rib by Paul and and Nick. Uh, Paul Avec and Nick Khan. I thought that was pretty hilarious. I loved their reaction, both Corey and Michael Cole. And having Pat McAfee back is just great news all around, right? Absolutely. You know, and if you listen to the Pat McAfee show on Monday, which me and Bobby are both avid listeners of, they had Michael Cole on and he went over, you know, how to Michael Cole, Pat McAfee's music still the White Stripes. So when the music starts kicking, he just thought it was some random entrant into the Royal Rumble. And Paul came in over Michael Cole's earpiece and said, are you just going to yeah. no-sell this? And that's when he realized, so it's nice to see that it was a legitimate surprise for both Corey Graves and Michael Cole that Pat McAfee was going to be there. Yeah, that was that was a great moment, a lot of fun. And then we'll skip forward to the next match. I'm sorry, I'm just not a fan of anything having to do with Bray Wyatt these days. The Mountain Dew pitch black match between L.A. Knight and Bray Wyatt. It was just a match with a lot of black lights and a lot of neon glowing stuff and a lot of product placement uh what did you think i know you love bray wyatt and you love you love this stuff with uncle howdy and all this stuff it's not my thing to me i think they took a really good wrestler and character in la Knight. i think he's almost better off being max dupree than having to deal with this but uh i first off you shut your whore mouth I think it would have been better off than this. He just got buried here. I think this whole thing with Bray Wyatt's been just not the best thing for L.A. Knight. And I really like L.A. Knight and everything I've seen of him so far. But uh, what did you think of this? Uh, Rather short, though, obviously, we've got the two rumbles in there. This rather short uh, Mountain Dew pitch black product placement match between Bray Wyatt and L.A. Knight. Close your eyes and let's go back to 1999. It is one of the biggest SummerSlams in WWE history. The Undertaker is either 99 or 98. 
the Ministry of Darkness Undertakers and the main event of SummerSlam going against Stone Cold Steve Austin. And black lights come on and there is a giant PlayStation 1 logo painted with neon paint on the Undertaker's bicep. The dumbest shit fucking possible. What the fuck are you... I like this Bray Wyatt character. I like the story. Everybody knows I'm still riding with it. Everybody knows I've loved L.A. Knight ever since he was Eli Drake. The question I have, though, for as cool as the mask was, for as cool as the visual was, like, if I was, like, rolling on Molly or something like that, this match would have been a freaking hoot for me. Is product placement killing professional wrestling? Like, literally, at least AEW, when they do product placement, it doesn't interfere with the match that much. They just have to name it something stupid, or they put DraftKings on their, uh, on the mat. You got this dumb shit where they painted one of the most could-be-feared characters in professional wrestling right now and put Mountain Mountain Dew pitch black on his bicep like it's a stupid, shitty prison tattoo that says, Mom. And we're just going to let this character keep going. Like Uncle Howdy just pops up at the end of the match. Spoiler alert. Get Peacock, you peasants. And he just jumps off the random platform they had out in the audience to do a crazy evil Knievel sparkler spot. Like, did Paul Levesque go on an ayahuasca trip and this is what he saw? What the shit was any of this? I'm still riding with Bray Wyatt. And I think L.A. Knight's in a lot better position than he was Max Dupree, especially now that Maxim Male Models has their eyes set on Otis. Oh, yeah, we could, we could talk about reason. that for a moment. I think I actually popped for that. I think that might be kind of fun. but uh... He's hideous. He's disgusting. He's petty. <laughs> like, all right. I, I've seen this movie before. Uh... But uh, just... For the love of shit, he should, he would have been better off anywhere in the planet right now after that match. Again, I, I know Bobby's in the minority in this and hates the story of Uncle Howdy and Bray Wyatt. I didn't at first. It's, it's okay. just the way it's being presented isn't, yeah, yeah. I actually like the Alexa, some of the stuff they're doing with Alexa has been a little better than what they've been actually been doing with Bray Wyatt. But, well, let's jump right into that. Well. Uh, the very one of the on 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 one of the greatest storylines that WWE has ever produced that is still going on today has been going on for the last two years, and there has been some lulls in that storytelling as well. But in the end, it all made sense. For as stupid as the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match was, and for as cool as it could have been if they would have you know taken some different steps with it, I will not let this. Be the downfall of Bray Wyatt's entire career, just one match. I mean, for the love of God, we didn't all give up on The Fiend after they just did no contest or however the hell they ended Hell in the Cell when they had the red lights in the red cage and people could barely see what was happening. Or Goldberg beat him? Oh, that's... <laughs> he got fed to a fucking legend system. That was bullshit on its own. But we don't count that because, remember, at the time... The Saudi shows were not canon. You say so. 
in my mind. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next match. Uh, speaking of Alexa, we got Alexa Bliss challenging uh, the Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, I was the only one, me, and I saw Brian Zane wrestling with the regret actually picking Alexa here. And I think I kind of talked you into it a little bit with some thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, no, you came I, around I picked Alexa me. from the jump. Uh, but, um... Because I, I, I don't like Bianca as a wrestler. I say I love Bianca. I, but... I think I think the hair's a weapon. And I think she needs to be disqualified. So, is, so is Hollywood Hogan's weight belt. Come on. It, yeah, it I thought... Well, he was also a heel. <laughs> True. True. I, I, I will go with you there that... That would be a better thing for a heel to have than a baby face. But it's been working. I can't deny that it's been working. And I love everything Bianca's been doing for the most part. Uh, but here she would get the victory. And again, another quick match. I wouldn't call it a squash, but it was one KOD. And, you know, not a lot of, uh, you know, near falls in this thing. And then after the match, we would get the the weird Ray Wyatt, Uncle Howdy, and then you'd see a, a lot of images from Dark Alexa from a couple of years ago kind of pop up on the screen, and then and then we went to black and we moved on. But you and I were surprised, but this was what pretty much the rest of the world thought with Bianca winning here and, and uh, holding on. Where do you think things go from here? Because the match is what it is, and there's not a whole lot to talk about. So let's just jump right into where we think things are going. Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious where it's going and where Alexa's going to inevitably give in to her impulses with the Wyatt, fam- the Wyatt Six or whatever the hell we're calling it right. now. Um, I mean, you know, the thing is, is like, she's not. How do I put this? They had the stupid people dressed up as the stupid fucking puppets on the platform that Uncle Howdy jumped off of. So she's not the witch, whatever the fuck it is. Um, honestly, I was surprised that they didn't try and pull a Papa Shango Ultimate Warrior uh, black tar spot at the end of that match. Uh, Jesus Christ. You know what? Maybe you're right, Bobby. <laughs> maybe Bobito on this day is 100% correct and they need to take a page from Vince McMahon's book and just part ways with Bray Wyatt because they can't fucking book him I mean this I, God, I don't know why I'm so conflicted on this because the guy who's writing all this stuff for Bray Wyatt is always just like oh yeah just wait just wait just wait it's going to be awesome it's going to be amazing and I have to like Grin my teeth and bear it every time I see some dumb shit like glow in the dark Bray Wyatt. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Alexa, because that's what we're talking about here. Yes. <laughs> but we know where this is going. Right. She's going to join the faction. There's nothing that's going to break her spell unless they put like some weird Braun Strowman romantic. <laughs> Only Braun's kiss can break the true love spell or where fucking bullshit they're going to try and pull with that. I thought it was appropriate, even though I picked Alexa Bliss, that she's going to be in this weird-ass faction with Bray Wyatt. Bray doesn't need a title. Alexa won't need a title. They are going to be their own entities, I feel like, moving forward. I uh, disagree with you there, because I think 
I think where we're going for WrestleMania, a lot of people just assumed, and we're, we're going to talk about uh, other matches happening at WrestleMania for the other women's championship. Uh, but a lot of people assumed that it was going to be Rhea and Bianca until Raw happened. Whereas you and I were from the jump. We were like, no, sh- that's got to be Charlotte. So that leaves kind of Bianca without an opponent as of right now. Now, again, we'll be talking about Elimination Chamber stuff. And I might talk, a, I'll be bringing this back up in particular because I think, yes, uh, you're absolutely right. Alexa is going to kind of fall back into Dark Alexa with the Bray Wyatt, the Uncle Howdy stuff, and whatever that might entail. But I think that's going to where that's going to uh, bring out a deeper power within her or whatever, and she'll be stronger for it. She'll be a heel. And I think she'll end up being the one to challenge Bianca. I think we get a rematch at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship. And I think that in that match, Alexa does go over. Possibly. And we'll talk about how we may get to that point a little later on with the Elimination Chamber. But we'll go ahead and move on to the next match. And that is the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh... Another good match. I don't think it was as good as the men's, uh, but still really good. And once again, this is the first women's Royal Rumble that we've had since they started doing them that didn't have a whole lot of legends and returns. It was, there was a few, a few more than the men's, but it wasn't like, you know, 15 of them like we often get where you would have Kelly Kelly and Abella and this and that all coming back. Like we were kind of expecting. They had a lot of NXT people in there. It was nice to see Roxanne. It was nice to see uh, a lot of the others. Um, And all get a little moment to shine here and there. But obviously, the story here was Rhea Ripley 1, Liv Morgan 2. And they outlasted everyone else to be the final two before uh, Rhea Ripley got her hand raised as the winner and got the point at the sign. What did you think of the women's Royal Rumble match? And what do you think of the winner? First off, I think you're way off the mark on this because I think the number one story has to be Asuka. Kana? Yeah. I mean, look, as one of these indie-rific marks that everybody likes to talk about, the Kana character, like Corey Graves alluded to on commentary, was at one time the most feared women's wrestler on the planet, more so than Bold Nakano. So for me, seeing her come out with the makeup and the different mask than what she normally wears in the WWE. If you would have been at the party we were at, heard the pop when she removed the mask from the people who knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. It was just. And I also think the way that they ended the Women's Royal Rumble match was absolutely fantastic with that uh, spot where. Oscar's miss was going for Rhea. Rhea ducked out of the way. It hit Liv. So then Rhea took advantage of that to win it. Um, big shout out to Michelle McCole because she was one of my entrants and she was just sitting right behind commentary. Yeah, yeah you were one of the lucky ones. You didn't have to drink all that long for that one. Um, Meanwhile, I but, got I got all the heels that like to saunter to the ring. <laughs> that long-ass <laughs> ramp. Um, the other thing I really appreciated about this match, too, was... You know, despite what the Bellas are bitching about online, uh, 
you had the women's Royal Rumble match main event Royal Rumble for the first time, I believe. It didn't main event Royal Rumble. We still got another match after this. When you talk about in terms of the Rumble match itself. I I, th- I want to say the one Asuka won. The year you had both Shinsuke and Asuka win. I want to say the women's Rumble went on last. But I don't remember for sure. Oh. I don't rem- I, I could be very well, wrong. Well, then allow me to just retort everything I just said. In my opinion, actually, though, I, I thought the women's Rumble match was better. Really? Well, uh, the ending, because uh, for me, and I, I understand wrestling subjective and everyone has a different outlook on this, but for myself personally, I enjoyed the hell out of the surprise entrance or the returns or uh, the misdirection that happens with the finishes of the Royal Rumble matches. Uh, So for me, that's something that's always been incredibly awesome. So with that being said, just the finish alone, the return of some legends, the return of Nia Jackson and neither here nor there deal that we'll talk about later. I felt the women's match outshine the men's. And that's coming from somebody who's a giant Bullet Club mark and somebody who's a giant Cody Rhodes mark that the women's was better. Well, and I know you that was one of your probably your biggest disappointment of the men's was you didn't get all these crossovers you were expecting and hoping for that I've been telling you for feels like months not to expect, but hey. Sorry, no Jay White. But Yeah, I liked seeing Nia Jax back. I know in fandom that might be a bit of a minority opinion, uh, because of a reputation that I think isn't quite deserved though i can see why some people think that um and we'll talk about later whether or not she's all right we can just talk about it now we we don't know whether or not nia Jax is actually signed to a deal or if she just um if this was just kind of a one-time appearance uh certainly i i wouldn't mind seeing her back full-time i know that might disappoint some other people what do you think if if she is back full-time would you be happy with that, or would you be more wait and see, or more negative? I think the one thing the women's division right now is lacking is a monster heel in WWE. Yeah. And that could be Nia. I, I thought Nia was a fantastic wrestler. Yes, she was rough around the edges in certain areas, but so is every one of your favorite wrestlers at one point or another. You have to remember, at one point in time, the women's division was so shallow that they were literally bringing in just anybody they could to get them to go on a run for a little bit, and then they'd be off TV again. You'd never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why when you have someone like Nia Jax, who comes from the lineage she comes from, who has the, obviously the passion that she has for it, who is still continuously training um, locally with Natty and TJ, like, she obviously wants to get better at her craft. Yeah. Does she have some things that are going to mar her forever, like the man spot or owl my hole? Sure. But what wrestler doesn't? I mean, the one thing I was hoping for was if Lana was going to come back in this match, and then we could have gotten a, a fun redo of a table spot. 
on the outside, but that didn't happen. We we got Nyad. She had her big. Everyone attacked her, and then she shoved everyone off. But it didn't last long. Everyone still ganged up on her and got her out. But yeah, I I would be excited to have Nia Jax too. I agree. We don't have we Rhea Ripley. I think could be built up as a monster heel if they do it right. I think they're heading in that direction with her a little bit. But Nia Jax certainly just you don't have to try too hard to get her there. Uh, she's no no no. See, you're misunderstanding what I mean by monster heel. See, back in the day, TNA had Awesome Khan. Right. AEW, when they want to do some good booking with the women's division, they have Nia Rose. To the same vein, you could say that Jay Cargill could be a monster heel, but she, to me, she doesn't have the size to produce that monster heel. Like, could go out, have a squash match with any woman on yeah, the Yeah, I don't think she has that intimidation factor that, that even a Rhea Ripley no. could have. But, uh, yeah. Like a Bull Nakano yes. back in the day. She had that intimidation. Yes. That there are women in the sport of professional wrestling that are just vicious-looking killers. Like, what they could have done with Sarah Rowe before they did that, but she, she just a manager. I I can't tell what the hell's going on out there. Like they had going with Nikki Cross for a minute before again. Now I just don't know what the hell's going on out there. They are coming to the Royal Rumble and throw her jacket around a little bit, but they're missing that monster heel in the division. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's a role there that she would be perfect for. I'll agree with that. What do you think of Rare running, winning? That's the right move, right? We both we both picked her. Yeah, absolutely, because it sets up so much stuff for WrestleMania. All right, and we will be talking about what she's doing for WrestleMania and what she announced on Raw in just a minute. But first, we got to talk about the Royal Rumble main event for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. The only members of the bloodline coming out with Roman were Paul Heyman and Sami Zayn. If you're at all a fan of wrestling, you know what happened at the end of this match. You know how things went down. Uh, So I don't think I have to get into it too much. But we know uh, Roman Reigns would win, but they would just beat down the entire bloodline. Uh, would just beat down on Kevin Owens, who was handcuffed to the ropes. I mean, Jesus, more super kicks than the Young Bucks in five minutes there, just just a one face, and he was handcuffed. He couldn't even fall down. It was brutal, brutal stuff. And then Roman Reigns with the chair, and Sami Zayn finally has to get involved and say, no, please don't. You're above this. Don't do it. You're better than this. And... Roman Reigns says, well, fine, you're right. I'm better than this. You're not. You do it. And, of course, they teased it a few times. Roman Reigns had his back to Sammy, you know, yelling at Kevin Owens. And Sammy would raise the chair, and then he'd put it back down. And Roman Reigns would look back at Sammy. Come on, let's go. And it it was just done perfectly, brilliantly. So once you did get to the point where Sammy, all right, he made that decision. And he swung on Roman Reigns' back. Oh, the pop. Everything was brilliant. And then the first place, the first thing Sammy did was to look at Jay. 
And Jay, just crestfallen, betrayed, heartbroken, yells at Sammy for a minute. Sammy gets super kicked by uh, Jimmy. And then the entire bloodline uh, beats down on Sammy. He gets a smoke spike. The entire bloodline, except for Jay, who's just sitting in a corner distraught. And eventually he walks out. And that really sets Roman off. He's like, you... He yells at Sammy, you destroyed my family, and just goes nuts on him with a chair. What did you think of this main event and all the things that happened after, in particular with Sammy Zayn for the So the interesting thing about this match is I saw people post online about professional wrestling who I've never seen them post a single thing about professional wrestling in my life. This match single-handedly got so many people back into professional wrestling without them knowing about the two years' worth of story that went into this match. Um, The handcuff spot hearkening back to the no-rules match between Roman and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania during uh, the COVID mania uh, in the Trop in St. Pete. Um, There was just so much like beautiful storytelling that just finally crescendoed to this one moment. And what was so unexpected for me, it wasn't the brutality of how Sammy was beat down afterwards. It was hearing Jimmy scream at Jay as he wouldn't participate. That's not your family dog. We're your family. Oos. Mm-hmm. And Jay walking away, the unexpected twist that none of us no, had seen coming. All right, let's talk about it. Because with Cody winning the Rumble, but with this stuff with Sammy, you say WWE has a bit of a main event problem for WrestleMania. I think I know what they're going, where they're going with this. But what what do you say is their main event problem? Let's talk about that. The main event problem for WWE is not necessarily a WrestleMania problem. It's rumored, or is it officially announced that the main event for Elimination Chamber is going to be Roman versus Sammy? That's that's is it rumored. rumored or confirmed? There's nothing confirmed about that yet, but it's a rumor, I believe. So, whether or not it happens, let's say Roman's going to go over. You have built up the character of Sammy Zayn so hard and so far. With now his Sammy Zane with the piece of duct tape over the Uso t-shirt that they've come out with. Um, You've built that character up so much. You have sympathy and emotion vested in Sammy Zane. That maybe not necessarily a championship win. But perhaps just a victory over Roman Reigns at this point. And you're not going to make your champion look weak going into WrestleMania by making him lose at Elimination Chamber. And then you're going to put him in a title match against Jane Jimmy at WrestleMania with Kevin Owens as his partner. And granted, the history there is deep and it's thick and it's rich, especially for somebody who loves Ring of Honor as much as I do. But that's still not going to be enough for the fans. What the fans want is to see Sammy get his comeuppance on Roman. And if they're not carefully towing the line on this, you're going to get the fans turning on the company itself. Well, what I think 
and this is where I think the brilliance of Jay and what they did at the Rumble on Saturday comes in. Now, let's remember, Elimination Chamber's a little over two weeks away. It's February 18th, so it's pretty much already coming. We've got Friday Night Smackdown tomorrow night. We're going to hear from the Bloodline for the first time. I'm sure we'll hear from Zammy and Kevin Owens. I think they're quickly going to set up that match, Sammy versus Roman Reigns for the title at as the main event of Elimination Chamber. But I think Jay's still going to be on the fence, maybe even leaning Sammy way, trying to defend Sammy. I think he's going to be an advocate for Sammy this entire time until we get maybe even get to the point where, you know what, he's standing up to his family. He's standing up to the bloodline in defense of Sammy outright. And then we get to the pay-per-view where Jay turns on Sammy. And if done right, I think you can shift all of that heat between Sammy and Roman and put it between Sammy and Jay. And now we want to see that just as much, and that's how you get to that tag team match at WrestleMania. If done right, I think I think you can shift that heat over to okay. Now we we have to see Sammy and Jay, but I think I think that's what they're going for here. You know what I mean? And you know they they could be, and I could see that being a possibility. But the fans aren't going to forget that it was Sammy and Roman. That was the Big conflict. It does not mean we can't get to a Sammy Roman match once again later in the future. I think they could still build on that story for future ideas. Obviously, Roman Reigns may not be the champion at that point. I got a feeling Roman's going to take a break after Mania, so we'll see. But uh, I do. I think at least through Mania, they have their plan here set. And they're going to stick to it. And I think I think what they're doing with Jay, follow his story closely with this, because I think that's how they're going to shift. Try try their best to shift the heat between Roman and Sammy and get that more directed, get that heat directed at Jay. And they can start to play the storyline. Because then, then we've got, you know, a full month and a half to set up the Cody-Roman storyline, which is kind of a natural storyline. You know, there's more than one royal family. You know, that that kind of writes itself almost. So, you know, I, I, think, I think that's where they're trying to go with this. And I think, I think they're going to be fairly success, successful. I think they're going to want to see Sammy and Jay go at it. Um, and... And you, then you bring in Jimmy and KO and all this. And I think, I think you've got a lot of storytelling still to go, but I think we'll get there. All right. We'll go ahead and move on from the Royal Rumble. And we'll talk about, well, on Raw, Rhea Ripley, who we just said won the Royal Rumble. She made her choice. And it surprised a lot of people. Didn't surprise me and Tony. She chose to go after the SmackDown Women's Championship, which means she'll be facing Charlotte at WrestleMania. Uh, what do you think of this? Are you excited for this match? I certainly am. This is the one I wanted. But a babyface Charlotte versus a heel Rhea Ripley. And who do you see going over? 
Honestly, I think it's Rhea's time. Yep. Um, I actually come mania. I think we're going to see judgment day as a whole stand tall. Um, two reasons why I'm excited for this. And reason number one is what this match leads to. Rhea's going to start showing up on SmackDown with Dominic. Rey Mysterio, Dominic's going to happen at WrestleMania. I think we're going to see Rey Mysterio's last match. I think we're about to see Dominic inherit the mask. Um, I've recently been doing some more thinking about the bandana itself that he's been wearing. Uh, A bandana is a form of a mask in a sense. Maybe it's conditioning people to get in used to see Dominic with half of his face covered. Uh, Maybe it's a reach. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. But regardless, I believe it is pretty well settled. It's going to be Dom and Ray at WrestleMania. The second reason why I'm excited is because this is going to be Rhea Ripley finally getting her comeuppance. If you know anything about the Rhea Ripley story and why she drastically changed her appearance over the last few years, it all has to do with the fact that they thought she looked too much like a Charlotte. Which, admittedly, when she did come in, there was some resemblances. Uh, That's why she originally cut the hair. That's why she went the darker makeup, started with the piercings. Um, So she just kind of always felt like she was in Charlotte's shadow, and now she gets her chance to prove that she's not. Um, And I think it's going to be a beautifully told story, and I think Rhea's going over for that fact. Yeah, I agree. I think I think this will be Rhea Ripley. I mean, she's held world championships before. I think she's had matches with Charlotte before. But I think this is one I'm excited to see uh, very much so. And I do agree it'll be a Rhea Ripley uh, shining moment here at WrestleMania. And for the entire Judgment Day, I, I agree with you there. I think Dominic will definitely be going over in some form or fashion. And um, we don't know what Finn Balor and Priest will be doing for the show, I imagine they'll be on it. But yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this match, and I do I agree with just about everything you said. I think Rhea Ripley, this is Rhea Ripley's time, and it should be. All right, we'll go ahead and move on from there to uh, more stuff we got on Raw. They announced the two elimination chamber matches, uh, the men's match and the women's match. We'll go ahead and talk about the men's match first. It'll be for Austin Theory's U.S. title. So it won't have any sort of main event or world title implications or WrestleMania main event implications. It'll be for Austin Theory's U.S. title. And the three other competitors they've announced so far are Seth Rollins, Bronson Reed, and Johnny Gargano. Two more competitors yet to be named. What do you think of the fact that the Elimination Chamber will be for the United States Championship? And are you uh, looking forward to it? Honestly, I love it. It's something if you listen back to the earlier episode, if you listen back to the earlier episodes of the Buckle Bomb Show, I harped so hard on WWE's creative for basically treating the U.S. and Intercontinental Championship like throwaway material. And at the time, it was. But ever since SummerSlam last year, they've been doing a really good job of bringing the relevancy back to it, especially being that there's only one WWE championship now. One of my biggest, um, one of the well, biggest reasons I want to make it stay one championship, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen, but we'll see. No. Um, and 
the elimination chamber has always been one of my favorite stipulations for a match. I just, um, I have a hard time buying into who they've announced will be in the chamber match so far. We know Bronson Reed's not going over because he really hasn't done anything since he's been back. Johnny Gargano is the same way. I guarantee the other two competitors, probably the Miz and Bobby Lashley's Otis or Chad. Bobby Lashley's been in the U.S. title picture. There might be something there where Brock Lesnar could somehow break his way into the cage and cost Lashley make him get eliminated somehow. Maybe I don't know. Could be, but I think at the end of the day, we're really just doing this because they want a way to continue the Austin Theory Seth Rollins feud without um, with with giving Austin Theory a patsy for why he lost it, not just in a one on one environment. So it doesn't really hurt the character that they have going with Austin Theory right now. Well, I so you think Seth Rollins is the one that's going to win? He's going to come out of this thing, U.S. champ. Absolutely. I disagree. I think I think uh I think Austin Theory's gonna go over here. I like that it's for the US title for similar reasons to you. I also another reason is with the timing of the Elimination Chamber every year between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, it's usually this big match, usually oftentimes for the world title, one of the world titles, which is usually already set the main event. So it kind of sometimes makes it a little predictable, at least who the winner's going to be. And here we are. You and I are already disagreeing a couple of weeks out from the chamber. We, we don't really know who's going to win. You think it's Rollins? I think Austin Theory is going to retain. Now, here's why. I think you're right. I think we're going to get Austin Theory and Seth Rollins one-on-one at Mania. And I think... I, I suppose you could do it where... Seth Rollins gets the win here, but then Austin Theory wins it back at Mania. You could do it that way, but I like the idea more of Austin Theory somehow, some way, some shenanigans is able to come out of this thing, still the champ when no one thinks he can do it. Because no one, because he is kind of a chicken shit heel. No one thinks he can do it, and somehow he does it. And I can, and that'll just get him a lot of heat running into WrestleMania. So I, I, that's how I sort of see things happening and playing out. But uh, I could definitely see Seth winning it as well and doing things a different way. All right, we can go ahead and talk about the women's match. Uh, kind of the same deal here. Uh, we only have four of the competitors announced so far. We know there's going to be uh, some matches coming up over the next uh, week of shows to... Uh, some qualifying matches that will get the other two names. But so far we've got Asuka, Liv Morgan, uh, Nikki Cross, and Raquel uh, Rodriguez. I almost said Gonzalez. Raquel Rodriguez. And this match will be for... The winner of this match will go on to face Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Now this is where I said I think one of those other two competitors will be Alexa Bliss. And I think Alexa Bliss is going to be the one to win this match. Um, Though there's Kana faced Asuka right up front. That could very well prove me wrong. What do you think of this? Um, It's going to be Kana. I mean, let's not even act like 
anybody's even remotely interested in seeing Alexa Bliss in another Elimination Chamber match again for a while after last time. Yeah, yeah. Can I think about that for a second? She was there for a minute. That was her big return, and then we didn't see her again for, for a couple of months. <laughs> she got paid God knows how much money to sit on a swing and inside of a pod before she became Alexa Cabrera, or Lexi Cabrera. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just let that one marinate. Ryan Cabrera is married to Alexa Bliss. But, yeah, they're like, that was a really bad moment for her career, too. Yeah. All right, so getting back to the wrestling, where uh, you think uh, Asuka's going over here with the, the new Kana persona? Yeah, um, I, I feel like WWE is making more of a really interesting switch towards uh, since they're acknowledging the past, I feel like some of the storytelling is going that way too. And for as destructive and the wind streaks alone that Oscar had with the kind of makeup, they might go back to it in WWE a little bit. We'll, we'll see. see that, that, but still might that would be a way to go. I, I can definitely see that happening. And, once we got here, once I, because I had this whole thing with Alexa uh, in my mind going up to WrestleMania for Bianca, but it's hard to say this thing with Asuka and the new makeup and the new, the old is new look kind of thing that we could do here and really have her tear through the division. It's hard to turn that down and say that that's not what they're doing, uh, especially they're pushing her. She's right up front here. Um, well, the other thing is too, is I don't remember the kind of character being like supernatural in any way, shape or form, but maybe there could be some mind games that just, you know, fuck with Alexa bliss so much that it just drives her closer and closer to the Wyatt six kind of deal. I hope there's nothing supernatural. You're going to ruin a Oscar for me, but uh, but barring that, yeah, I, I, I'm all about on Oscar Wood. Really, I could see any any of the competitors pictured there. Uh, you know, Liv Morgan. You know, she's already been champion this year, but I don't think this is I don't think this is her time right now. Uh, this year, or well, last year, within the last <laughs> year, within the last twelve months, let's say she's been champion. Uh, Nikki Cross. Uh, I mean, they could certainly push her, but I don't think they want to push her that far. Raquel Rodriguez, I could see them giving the win to her and trying to give her a big push because I think they really like her. Uh, but I don't know if it's quite time for that yet. Maybe next year. I don't think this year is quite is quite the time for her. Um, but yeah, I I think it's Asuka or Alexa. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to what we talk about next. We're going to talk about the Raw main event. Uh, it was Finn Balor versus Cody Rhodes, a couple of old Bullet Club dudes who never crossed paths in the Bullet Club, as far as I know. They were there at very different times. Uh, obviously, Prince Devitt was one of the founding members. Cody didn't come until way later and was part of sort of the, well, obviously the elite sort of subgroup of Bullet Club. 
But uh, what what did you think of this main event between Finn Balor and Cody Rhodes? They they did do a very good job of saying, hey, this is the first time these two are fighting. This is the first match between these two, which kind of surprised me again because I knew that I knew they both had Bullet Club origins. But the only meeting between Prince Devitt and Cody Rhodes was in a BTE episode when WWE and Ring of Honor were all in Canada in the same town, throwing the same weekend. Nice. Um, it man, it was. It's real to see this because you think about the legacy that is Bullet Club, uh, arguably at its height and prop popularity when uh, Cody and Kenny were having their power struggle for who was the actual leader for Bullet Club. Was that the height? I feel like that was when it was maybe at its lowest point in some ways. No, that's when, when, it was, when I was seeing when it was Bullet the Club most, around more When it more. was the most watered down and from what I understand... That's why Kenny Omega made the elite because in real life he thought the Bullet Club was kind of meaningless without Anderson and Gallows and Balor and AJ Styles. They were all gone. And so the the Bullet Club at that particular moment was kind of And again, this is all stuff That's I've obviously you, read, but this was what Kenny Omega was saying. It's completely off. This is this is what Kenny Omega off. has said. Says who? Because I've never seen this ever. Right. Ken- Kenny Omega was the one that took AJ Styles out of Bullet Club. Okay. Well, because AJ Styles had signed with WWE. But go on. Um. So yeah, to me, arguably the height of his popularity, the reason why we have AEW right now, uh, the Bullet Club who couldn't fill fill a ten thousand seat arena, but did. Versus the incarnation of Bullet Club and Prince Devitt, or Finn Balor. Um, the reason why they never crossed paths, obviously, like you said, Finn came into the company uh, as Cody was on his way out. Uh, he was the first incarnation of Bullet Club. Cody was the third. 3.5, technically, whatever. Who's counting? Um. And I thought it was actually pretty interesting. I, again, you know, Cody's wrestled guys like Finn in the past. Uh, a lot of it was on the indie circuit. Uh, Finn's wrestled a lot of guys like Cody. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of similarity between Cody and uh, Seth Rollins myself. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. What I am saying, though, is there's a part of me that wants this to be a feud so badly. But I don't think we're going to get it for quite some time. And the reason why I say this is I just, I keep getting this feeling like there's somebody coming to the WWE within the next month that's really going to kind of powder keg this feud after WrestleMania. I mean, it's just, it cuts me like a knife that it's just like right on the tip of my tongue. And I, I, again, I could be switching back and forth on this, but there's just a certain king, I feel like, who maybe called himself the last rock and roller as a jab at Finn Balor for the last two years. Hmm. 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 
regardless, rest in peace, Jay Briscoe. Um, there's a lot of possibilities that makes me excited, and I just I love that. Even the even the um, edge spot, the edge and best spot. Yeah. Uh, and Dominic getting involved in the match, obviously. Uh, the fallout after the match where somebody took a picture from behind Edge and Beth kind of, you know, popped me. Yeah, I'd grab her ass too. Um, but the match as a whole, I want more of it. I think that it's going to be good for business, especially considering the fact that WWE has not been shying away from what these two mean to each other's career and relevancy or why it's relevant for them to even be facing off. Uh, maybe something that breaks up Judgment Day, because let's face it, even though Finn is the uh, leader of Judgment Day, it's starting to feel like he's kind of overstayed his welcome with the faction. It seems more like it's Dom and Rhea's thing right now. Mm-hmm. Because I, I can't tell you the last time Finn or... Damien has done anything of relevance for the faction. So we'll see. I mean, this could be like a whole storyline where you bring back. I love post WrestleMania for, yeah, for Finn Balor to get into the title picture. And I'd love to see a feud between Finn and Cody. Absolutely. Um, This match didn't seem to be leading to that. I think this was just a main event of all. Hey, two, two wrestlers that are really good that we all like to watch in a main event. And it was a great match. And then at the end, of course, you had Judgment Day coming out. And then you had, you know, uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix coming out to uh, equalize the match, which ended up with Cody Rhodes getting the three crossroads in succession to pin Finn Balor. I thought all that was great. Now, if it does lead to something, you know, you could build Finn Balor back up, whatever you do for him through WrestleMania. And once Rhodes is champion, that would be a great, you know... What after after WrestleMania we have Extreme Rules, right? If I'm not mistaken, or no, the Extreme yeah. is Extreme Rules. Nah, Extreme Rules isn't until is was pushed October. down. No, Hell in a Cell is October. Well, we're not doing Hell in a Cell. Yeah, it was October. It was Extreme yeah. Rules. You're right. So they move these things around. It'll be it'll be backlash. WrestleMania backlash. Uh, you could maybe have a Finn Balor Cody Rhodes thing there. Or maybe you still have Cody goofing around with the bloodline. We'll see. But I I would love to see a proper program at the top of the car between these two. There's there's no denying that. Um, by the way, side note here. Uh, Omega and the Young Bucks came up with the idea for the Elite themselves, feeling the need to create something new after being forced by New Japan into Bullet Club. They didn't want to be in Bullet Club. Uh, and what Omega, because Bullet Club was what Omega called a too sweet suck it parody of the NWO. Really? Uh, Omega, Omega stated that he and the Young Bucks were the elite, but they'll accept if Dude Japan wants to say we're in the Bullet Club, that's fine. The Bullet Club's a cash cow. But they didn't actually want to be a part of the Bullet Club. That's funny because the story of Bullet or. Young Bucks tell on Talk is Jericho is totally different. <laughs> Wildly different, actually. It came that, down maybe, to literally... Maybe that's more of a work. I don't know. That was during the Civil War, maybe. It, it, but 
Yeah, there was the Civil War where Cody was the end-all, be-all leader of Bullet Club, and it was more of the elite because it literally came down to four hours of the Young Bucks just chomping at the bit. They were four hours away from actually owning the trademark to Bullet Club because New Japan just lost the date somewhere in their uh, files or something. So literally, it was like during the first year of AEW, and the Young Bucks are this close from being the rightful owners of the New Japan tr- or the Bullet Club trademark. Wow. <laughs> All right. We'll go ahead and move on from the main event of Raw, and we'll go through some quick jabs here. Um, one of the things uh, you'll notice we didn't talk about was Dynamite. In fact, we didn't really talk about AEW at all because our last show was Thursday. We've had so much WWE stuff since then. We only just got Dynamite last night, but me and Tony were not able to watch it. I was working during the show. I didn't get a chance to watch it today. Uh, Tony didn't watch it. He, he's been working all day today. So neither one of us are up to date on Dynamite. I did see some exciting stuff. I'm excited to see. I saw the finish to the Darby Allen samoa Joe match. And I don't know how much you're spoiled on it, so I don't want to say anything necessarily out loud. But wow. Just seeing that, seeing tells that me. finish, I can't wait to go back and watch the whole match. Um, Something tells me one of the most beautiful men in professional wrestling came back. I don't know what you're talking about there. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just talking about things I've never seen in a wrestling match. Wait, you're excited to go back and watch a Darby yeah. Allen match? You had my... You Just because interest, I saw the finish, and attention. I know who won the match. All right, well, tell me. I, it's not, I, I don't care about spoilers okay. for a, a weekly show. Well, it was for the TNT Championship. Samoa Joe is your new yep. TNT champion. Uh, but Oh, shit. Okay. Was not expecting the, that. Literally, the entire ring apron had been taken off half of the... Half of, or not the apron, the canvas was taken off half of the ring. So they're just slamming each other down on plyboard, or on right onto the that's right r- onto the directly onto the, the wood. It was no holds barred. That's right. I forgot so about I that. said plyboard directly right down onto the wood of the ring. So I'm like, oh my god, I got it because that's I've never seen that before. So I got to go back and watch that. I, I can't. I'm excited to see that. Um, I know. Uh, and I, I don't think this will be too big of a shock, so I'll just go ahead and spoil it. I know, um, uh, I know Jade got her fiftieth win. Uh, not too big of a shock. I, I want to see the match. Still, I didn't see anything in the match. I just know she got the fiftieth win, and I didn't hear anything about Brian Danielson's match. So, and that's obviously was the match I was looking forward to the most going into last night. So, and having that be completely overshadowed by the Joe uh, Allen match, which is all I've seen on social media. I can't wait to go back and watch the Danielson match. That can't be, it can't be bad. So. Wait, so the the surprise return I heard, that doesn't get shown up at all? I didn't even know there was a surprise return. So I haven't seen anything like that. So. It was something that I had seen in passing this morning when I was scrolling through Twitter. Who was it? So obviously, Wardlow, the most beautiful man professional. Oh, that's right. I did see he came back. You're right. You're right. I did. I did notice that. I completely blanked on that. Yeah. 
So it's a show I definitely want to go back and watch in full. I we just haven't gotten to it yet, so we can't really talk about it. Um, other, uh, well, there is a quick jab you wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, there's a couple actually. Um, we'll start with this one just to get out of the way because I know Bobby's going to hate this one the most. Um, during WrestleMania weekend, live from the Ukrainian Center in Los Angeles. GCW is running a GCW versus DDT show and making his triumphant return to the States. DDT pro legend wrestler, Yoshihako, the blow up doll. (laughs) Do you hear that? That's the sound of Bobby driving a toaster into a bathtub. No, the real GCW news I wanted to talk about is GCW Bloodsport, where they have officially named Speedball Mike Bailey's opponent. And Kota Ibushi, he's officially done with New Japan. He is retired from New Japan, as fat-ass Masa likes to say. One half of the Golden Lovers is making his American debut for an American company. Well, not really, because I guess he was in NXT for a cup of coffee. But, uh, yeah, Kota Ibushi versus Mike Bailey in a Bloodsport-style match is going to be a freaking banger. I'd be excited to see Kota Ibushi only because I know the name. I have no interest in seeing a Bloodsport match. Anything really... I'm not going to say anything GCW does, because they can throw on some bangers, but... I'll skip the BS. You were just... Were you? Were we not all excited for this fighter pit match between Seth Rollins and... Uh, Riddle? Yeah, the, the high guy. Um, see, he's gone and we don't even remember his name anymore. But if it wasn't for Matt Riddle, there would be no GCW Bloodsport. Yep. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> Doesn't mean I like it. Bobby's Doesn't mean not, I like it anymore. Bobby's just not impressed by garbage. Anything. All right, we can talk about uh, WWE 2K23. Looking pretty good. They released a gameplay trailer. I'll go ahead and and play some of it here off to the side. Uh, but how excited are you for this? They got a War Games in it that I'm excited about. The War Games match looks incredible in it. Uh, granted, this is all on next-gen consoles, and we're some broke-ass bitches, so we don't have one. But uh, nonetheless, like, is it crazy to think that we actually have a release date for 2K23, but we still don't have a release date for Fight Forever that's supposed to be out this month sometime, maybe? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's nuts how that game is just... It's stuck in pre-release purgatory because of all the roster changes. At some point, you just have to bite the bullet and realize, hey, you know, maybe we're just going to have to, you know, leave some people in. Right. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if we know Punk's going to beat it. Could Cody Rhodes be in that AEW game? I mean, we know they had a version with him in it. It's been, been so long. Yeah, so we'll have Cody Rhodes in an AW game and a WWE game with the same ring music. 
That would be that comes out like possibly like a week and a half apart, two weeks apart. Well, I, I got a feeling that <laughs> AEW game is going to get pushed back again. But if we don't have a release date yet, but uh, all right. Well, according to GameStop, right. <laughs> all right. Uh, the other quick jab we have a little bit more AEW news. Uh, they're doing. They just dropped today. They released a press uh, announcement. AEW House Rules. They're going to be doing house shows, live events, non-televised live events. Uh, this is exciting news. This is a big step for AEW. Uh, I think this is a big part of why they hired Jeff Jarrett, uh, who, who is uh, an executive. Uh, he's their director of business development. Uh, he works closely with Rafael Morphy, who's a VP of live events. I think this is exactly why Jeff Jarrett got hired. He was... He was the VP of live events for WWE. He was in charge of their house shows for his tenure there as an executive. So uh, I'm excited to see this. They'll probably run. They'll run some smaller towns and some smaller arenas. Maybe they'll actually get over here to Tampa at some point because we haven't been. They haven't been over here. They just anytime they're down in Florida, they just go right to Jacksonville, their home base. So. Uh, are you excited to see uh, AEW house shows starting up? First off, you're grossly wrong because Revolution last year was in Orlando. Oh, yeah, that's right. And they've it done was. Miami for Road Rager multiple times. Okay. Well, they've never come to Tampa. That's all I care about. So, um, no, I'm not excited for this because at the inception of AEW, one of the things that was supposed to be the big difference between AEW and WWE was a less rigorous schedule. It was one of the things that attracted John Moxley. It was one of the things that attracted uh, Sting. Of course. So, of course, but I, there, I think, there are certain guys. You're not going to have Sting on the road doing house well, shows. Uh, you know, and there's certain oh, guys. No, but, if CM Punk were to come back, he's not going to be on the road doing house shows. But Okay. But my point <laughs> of it is, is this was something that they alluded to during the creation of the company that they were never going to do. And then, of course, with the hiring of Jeff Jarrett, the writing was all on the walls with that. So I think it's kind of funny how they're going back on their word so far. Um, let's just run down the list of shit that AEW said they weren't going to do, and now they're doing. House shows. Did they really, Technically, did they really say they were never going to do it, or did they just say, hey, we're not doing it anytime yes. soon? It's not a part of our immediate plan. They... They said it wasn't a part of any plan. Um, then you have, uh, it's going to be more of a real sport presentation. Uh, if you ask me, the infancy of TNA when it was on Fox Sports 1 was more of a real sport presentation than AEW does. Um, well, I think that was with the whole records and keeping track of records and all that, which was failed, which was never going to work. That was a terrible idea. Uh, and they've kind of... Oh, they're still they're doing it to an kinda, extent. They throw, it, they throw <laughs> the record up on the screen, but they don't really use it a whole lot anymore. <laughs> For good reason. Yeah. AEW is only going to have the best. We don't need every WWE guy. And boy, that sure worked out in their favor, huh? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going down this rabbit hole of me just shitting on AEW because I could be here for hours. Yeah, I know you could. All right, well, AEW's doing house shows. I'm excited about that. I think that's good news. Tony does not. 
Uh, all right. Uh, any other quick jabs you want to bring up? I think that's the last one I had to talk about. So, I actually have two quick jabs. Um, does anybody in our viewing audience remember a professional wrestler who's a woman by the name of Aaliyah? I do. No, she's con. You do. Yeah. Still contracted by WWE. Yeah. She was on. Uh, she was on SmackDown for a while. I remember correctly. Yep, she has not wrestled on WWE television since September 12th of 2020 on an episode of Raw. Um, in October, Aaliyah wrote that she had suffered an elevated first rib and AC sprain. It was later reported that Aaliyah was cleared to wrestle, but WWE didn't factor her into Survivor Series plans because the company didn't want to feed her to someone on television. And in update, Aaliyah has responded to fans on Twitter about her status with the company and confirmed she's been cleared. Since October 27th, Aaliyah tweeted, if only I had stuff to talk about, and then wrote, ain't my call when asked about a return to television. Uh, so basically, she doesn't know when she's coming back. She's not even in 2K23. And uh, she hasn't even been invited to be backstage, but she still has a contract with WWE. If you ask me, that sounds like some bullshit and a half, and I feel for the Odd story. that she's made it through all of the various roster cullings that they made for financial reasons. Yeah, during their highest profitability in the company's history. So it does, it does spark the debate, which, Bobby, it's a question I want to ask you. Um, with these wrestlers' contracts, do you think that there should be a release clause for lack of use? I mean, if they're getting guaranteed money, uh, it's a tough one. I mean, this is what you have. This is why you'd want a union. This is one of those things to negotiate these things for wrestlers. You know, it, and that way it's not all one-sided. But... You know, I, I don't know. what is that a thing the wrestlers would want? Would they want a release cause? Or would they want the contract to be more binding, especially if they do get injured? Or if they're not being used, do they want to be able to say, hey, do they want a clause in there where they have the power? Hey, you're not using me. Let me out of this so I can go do something elsewhere. You know? I feel like if I put myself in the position of the wrestler, you know, you hear it all the time. You hear it on the FTR podcast. You hear it... Um, through anybody who's no longer with WWE, I think they would want their own clause where they could be like, hey, I haven't been used in X amount of days on television. I want my release. Right. Um, obviously, an injury barring would be something different, but I believe it or not, there are professional wrestlers in this world that aren't okay with sitting back and catering everything. But there's, there's a difference between being used on television and still being on the road. Ilea is apparently not even on the road at all. She's not doing house shows or any of that, which is which is different. If you're still being used, even if you're just being used on the road, that's that's still you're still getting a percentage of gates and you're still getting used. And where would that play into a contract clause and how would that work? It's all a very interesting question that you bring up that has a whole lot of different facets. And I don't think is a is an easy answer. Certainly. Again, it would it brings up the need, I think, for a pro wrestler union. But I don't know that that's anything we can ever get. There is somebody running for president in 2024 with that on their platform. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Hey, shit. No, I know it. 
All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Because I think that just about does it. Nope. One last thing. Shawn Michaels oh, yes. was on the NXT Vengeance Day media call, and he finally addressed the Mandy Rose situation. Shawn Michaels said, obviously not the ideal situation. I will say, if I'm allowed to say it for the record, I didn't fire her. I can't fire anybody. The only thing correct about any of that is I handle creative, and it was unfortunate. I think Mandy was fantastic for us. I absolutely enjoyed working with her. She was a phenomenal champion, and we would have loved for things to have gone different and been able to build our story with Roxanne. But I was put in the position where I had to make a call creatively, so we did that. It's one of those things that I've learned doing this job. Nothing comes before the brand. So, nothing comes before the brand. He is an NXT guy through and through. I just, the, the way, I feel like the way he said that, nothing comes before the brand. Kind of mind boggling. Uh, Especially considering the uh, current climate of WWE. Uh, Almost like we're not investigating where $15 million went to. Right. Right. My only uh, comment on this is, you'll see I have that old graphic from our uh, Randy, Mandy Rose show that I brought up right, right down there. Just, uh, just go to that. That's go to that link. And there's fun stuff on there. I am a subscriber because I promised I would on air. So I did it. And uh, have fun. Enjoy that link. There's better content creators. Ah, she deserves it, though. All right. We'll go ahead. And that'll be it for the show, I think. Uh, Pretty good show. We talked about a lot. A little bit of a longer show coming out going to be it's 10 o'clock at night here on the thursday so this is going to be coming out uh really late here i may hold it off until friday morning but i'll definitely put it off either way you guys will be watching this when you watch it uh but tony been a good show man i always enjoyed talking wrestling with you buddy absolutely real quick before we get up out of here if this comes out before saturday saturday night Full Send University podcast YouTube channel. It's the return of the Man Cave, hosted by myself, Evan Wider, and I am Dan Ramsey. Ram Damsey, I apologize. Um, this episode is going to be like be about living with PTSD. All right. So if anybody has any kind of uh, help that they need mentally and they feel like no one's there to listen, come listen to us talk our shit for a little bit. All right. Go check that out, and we'll see you guys next week. The preceding announcement has been paid for by Bomb Media Productions.